revival that comes with that. So I want to continue a little bit tonight as we follow the theme personal revival, personal revival. Before we do that, I'll share with you a few stories about some gentlemen that uh, met each other inside a couple council meeting. And as they were at this couple council meeting, the speaker mentioned that couples are so disconnected that 85% of husbands don't even know their wives' favorite spouse. The man, who was that gentleman, turned to his wife and whispered, stop rising, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Some of you are touching that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this book is Nehemiah. <laughs> Let's get to that first slide if you don't mind. Nehemiah, we're going to be in chapter 8, verses 1 to 10. If you don't know where Nehemiah is, the first page of your Bible, you'll find the book of Deuteronomy. Interesting individual. He doesn't start out his career as a builder. He starts out really as a cupbearer for Henry the King. For Henry the King. And he ends up doing what we see inside the book of Nehemiah. He ends up protecting the city by rebuilding the wall. The wall around On top of that, though, he is beset on the side by foes. Zechariah and Yeshua. Everybody else that's come behind me in 
also used for Yeshua, Yeshua, Benai, Shemaiah, Damon, Asher, Shabbatai, Hodijah, Mephiah, Talitha, Azariah, Zelzabad, Haman, Haliah, and the Levites help the people understand the law and the people's spirit in their flesh. So they read distinctly in the book of the law of God. Remember from this morning, I have promised to let you out early this evening, and I will keep that promise. I've had some messages sent to the youth group, so they are on the same page as well. We also get out in about 14 minutes. So please bear with me. What you're looking at here is a picture of some of them walk. So the reason why I put this picture up for you is you get an idea of what Nehemiah was coming into. Nehemiah was returning to Jerusalem, but he Jerusalem, where the walls had been torn down. There was nothing left there. It was a desolate, almost wasteland of a place. Some people actually referred to it historically as a God forsaken place. Jerusalem, where Nehemiah's heart was. Jerusalem, left unprotected. Jerusalem, now with a people who was not its own. People that were its own were coming back. Now, looking at homes that were inhabited by new vision, new customs, new way of life, all in that. When Jerusalem at one time had been the center of the worship of God Almighty, now the place of foreign thought. Now the place of foreign thought. Now the place.
most of us do. We think when God calls us somewhere, we go to a perfect, already built place, don't we? We think there'll never be any problems. We think there'll never be any differences. Nehemiah however, knew that the walls were down, but he didn't really think it would be as bad as it was. His, his idea was to build the walls. Now, I'm not looking at Nehemiah's fault, but I'll be honest with you, when I look at Nehemiah, He is somebody who I respect. Nehemiah. Somebody who I admire. So I would encourage you to learn from Nehemiah. But nobody should prepare you for coming home to broken dreams. You might learn about broken walls, but broken dreams, broken hearts, broken people. I lost part of the attempt. Somebody wisely said many years ago. Said, hey, it's easier to fix a broken child than it is a broken man. Nehemiah was returned to nothing but broken men. Nothing but broken plans, broken dreams, broken walls. He knew Jerusalem was essential. That's the whole point of building the wall so he could be protected. So he might be able to withstand. home to. Perhaps that's what he saw, and he thought to himself, how are we going to get them back to that house? How are we going to get them back to where they belong? You know, by you, it's year 2023, and that's still one of the questions we might ask if we came across that. How are we going to get them back up? I'm just telling you right now, that's kind of hard to do with a shovel and a horse. I'm going to say that. How are you going to do that? Anything is possible. And let me tell you something else. Nothing is too hard for our God. Amen? For Nehemiah, chapter 1. Nehemiah began building. Nehemiah began persevering. And Nehemiah began teaching. Perfect. That's our point. Nehemiah got that wall built in just 52 days. Just 52 days. I don't know about you, but uh, 52 days sounds like some kind of diet, doesn't it? Lose 25 pounds in 52 days. Pay off your high interest credit card in 52 days. You might have to think about all of you need this. We'll think about this. We'll think about Just 52 days. How long is 52 days? It's not even a full two months. That's it. Full two months. That's it. It'll take me a couple of months to get something done. Nehemiah did it in less than two months. He built this wall. Now, I love Genesis and Deuteronomy. I love those things I can't resist sometimes saying, What happens when you add five plus two? You get seven, right? That's how that takes us together. But I took a victory I quickly got it done. We got it done because Nehemiah had the theme the good hand of God. The good hand of God is upon him. Let's look at that next time. Personal revival. Revival is, if we were to define it, is all of Jesus Christ.
around in all of his ways, all of the time, in all of me. You ever heard of a sign like that before? If you're a Baptist, you've probably heard that from several preachers in your lifetime. That's usually how Baptist ministers define revival. Jesus Christ, all of them, he accepted every bit of them. See, sometimes we only want part of Jesus in our life. Remember that? Sometimes we only want some of Jesus in our life. No, no, If you want revival, you've got to have all of Jesus. And when you take all of Jesus, everything comes with Jesus. Everything that comes with Jesus. We're all comes with Jesus. Now, we like to talk about the Holy Spirit. We like to talk about the blessing. We like to talk about being in God's presence. We like to talk about that. But you know what else comes with being a Christian? Amen. Good day. Trials, tribulations, persecutions, temptations. In fact, Jesus promised it. He said, the world hates me, therefore it will hate you. In fact, it hates you first. You can be sure it's going to hate you. Look the Apostle Peter. Got a lot of respect for Peter as well. Peter writes to the church and he says, let me tell you a little spiritual truth. He says, if you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will say, Persecuted, guess what? You're doing something right. I don't think that every child is related to persecution. Are you ready for this? Because they come to stop. If somebody or your place of employment tells you to turn your Christian music off, that's not persecution. But something special is I'm being persecuted by First Amendment rights. If someone tells you it's your place of employment, tuck your cross in. You can't wear that out. That's not persecution. If someone says you can't, Start preaching here. That's not persecution. No, we like to think that it is. And we like to get in front of the church and say, I was persecuted today. No, we weren't. There hasn't been an American church that's faced real persecution yet that I know. Oh, there's been some that's faced trials, tribulations. There's been some that's faced some uh, other persecution, but not one of us are being attacked. Not one of us are being shot at. Not one of us are being run out of town. Now, you might say, Pastor, what about some of those racial. Uh, uh, racial churches where they got bombed and things like that. I think that's the closest we've had to persecution. But I want to remind you, they weren't killed for being Christian. They were killed because somebody was racist. They were killed because somebody was racist. And that's evil. But my point is this. We are not being attacked in the United States because we're Christian. Do I think the time is coming? Absolutely. Do I think it's near? Absolutely. How do I think it's coming? I think it's going to come because we will not accept homosexuality. I think that the world will begin legally persecuting us. And after we still refuse to give it to it legally, incidentally, a lot of Christians will fall away and say, well, the law must be right. I want you to remember the government is not God. I also want you to remember something else. Man's law is not God's law. Just because man says it's legal doesn't make it moral. You need to remember that. Personal revival is all of Jesus Christ having all of his way all of the time in all of me. That's the other part we have a hard time with. We don't mind when we try to have all of Jesus Christ and all that comes with us. Trials, tribulations, temptation, persecution, love, joy, peace, long suffering, all these things that come with Jesus Christ. We don't mind Him having all of His way in us. We don't mind giving Him all of our freedom. Sometimes I find it to be most of the time attacked. We don't want to give Jesus all of us. Give them 75%, 80%, 95%, 99%. But let me tell you, if you want revival, you need to give all of you. 
congregation is the first part of your personal revival. Get yourself back in God's people, back in God's house, back in God's plan, and you'll find yourself with God's people gathered together as one man in the open square, listening to God's law. Let's look at the next one. I'm almost out of time here. Well, that was a good picture. We'll pass by and go. Let's take a look here at the second one. Not only do we have congregation, but the next part is contemplation. As a Christian, you need to contemplate what you're hearing. You need to contemplate what God is saying here. Look here in verse 2. For as of the priest walked along for the children of men and women, and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. They were celebrating a Jewish holiday, the first day of the seventh month. And they had forgotten what that holiday was. And when they realized that it was the commandment of God for them to celebrate, they began weeping. They began saying, oh my goodness, we sinned against the Lord our God. And listen what Ezra says to them there. Here's verse 3. He read this from the open square that was in the front of the water gate from the morning until midday. Let's just sit there and listen to somebody. Do you hear? Let's just say from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. That'd be really hard for someone to get I think it'd be really hard for us to do in the year 2023. Somebody just reading. Just reading there. Well, they did it. Why? Because it was the law of God. Because the law of God was speaking to their hearts. And their hearts were open and hungry for God's Word. They began contemplating. Not only were they congregation, they were contemplating what they heard. He was reading before the men and the women and those who could understand. And look at the end of verse 3 here. And all the ears of the people were attentive to the book. The law. If you want personal revival in your life, you got to get back in God's congregation, and you have got to start paying attention to what God says. You got to start having understanding of it. Here's a good picture of what that might have looked like. They began reading, and people began taking a look and listening to what was said here. Let's move on to the next slide. I'm almost out of time. Three. And I love this. Not only do we have congregation, not only do we have contemplation, but inside the house of God, there's time for celebration. Somebody say amen. Okay. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, this is verse 6, and all the people answered, amen, amen, while lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Ezra led his people in celebration. He led them in understanding that God is their Savior. God is their provider. God is their protector. God is the one who plans out what we need. God does, and that makes us celebrate. Congregation, contemplation, celebrate. You want personal revival in your heart, in your life, in your household? Then get yourself back in the congregation of the Lord. Get yourself back into contemplating God's law. Get yourself into celebrating God's law. When you make God's law joyful in your house, when you make God's law joyful in your family, when you make God's law joyful in your marriage, then God's law will be something to celebrate, not something to be scared. Let's take a look at the next one here. Verse 9, Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra, the priest, and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those whom nothing is prepared for this day of holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Celebrate! Celebrate! What are we celebrating? Number one, Jesus Christ came and died for us, paying the price for our sins. That's enough for every Christian church to celebrate from now on until He comes back to take us home. Amen? We should be celebrating that. We should be singing about that. We should be telling everybody about that. He loves us. He died for us. He lived for us. And He's 
going to come back and get us one day. And we're supposed to, as Ezra did, have the people raise their hands saying, Amen. I love it in the Baptist church when people say, Amen. We even have Baptist sign language. If you don't say, Amen, go like this. Raise your hands too. Everywhere in the world, you know what that's sign is. Surrender. Surrender. When we celebrate with God, we give it all to God. I surrender all. Sign of the open hand. Nothing's there between me and you, God. Come and give me. Let's move a moment of time. Next slide here. If we will congregate, Hebrews 10.25 tells us we're not to forsake the fellowship of the believers. Even as we see the day approaching, what day is the author of Hebrews telling us about? The final day, the big day, judgment day coming. He said, don't ever stop fellowshipping. Don't ever stop congregating. Don't ever say, I don't want to be in church. I think I'll get out of church. I don't want to be a part of church. No, no, no. As you see the day approaching, you should be in church more and more and more and more and more often because He's coming and we need to congregate. If we'll contemplate, look at Psalm 1 verse 2. We're supposed to meditate on the law of the Lord both morning and evening. We're supposed to celebrate. Look at this Given the parable, he's given the parable of just what a lost sheep about a shepherd who lost one of his sheep, and he left the ninety-nine, and he went and got the one, and when he came back, he celebrates. This is about a woman who has a bunch of coins, and she loses one silver coin, and she sweeps her house, lights her candles, and finds her coin, and calls up her neighbors and celebrates. What does Luke fifteen ten tell us? That even when one sinner repents, then the angels in heaven. Celebrate! We've got a lot to celebrate about. They rejoice at one sinner. We need to celebrate. Celebrate when a sinner comes home. Celebrate when a wayward son returns to God's house. If we will do that, we're going to find ourselves in consecration. Joshua 3 5 tells us in consecration here. Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourself for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. What if we got that message from God tonight? Hey, get ready, because tomorrow God's going to do wonders among Bob Sanders, God's church. He's like, oh, I'm going to do it. Ready yourself. Sanctify yourself. Prepare yourself. Make sure you're doing it. Look at Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable They stumble being disobedient to the word which they also were appointed. But God, you are chosen to a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous life. If we will make sure we congregate, if we will make sure we contemplate, if we will make sure we celebrate as we will get ourselves consecrated, then you will have revival like Nehemiah had there. You'll find out that broken down walls will start getting rebuilt. You'll find out that temples that were once destroyed will start being remade, and the law of God will go forth throughout the land, and the land will return to righteousness. Walk 
wait, can I have religious nuts? Or they say, I want this type of institution. Very easy. Pastor, I need to get my heart right with Jesus. Well, come on. Pastor says, Oh, Josh, I need to be a pastor. I want to introduce you to Jesus. I'm going to go there. Whatever it may be. Whatever God's calling you to do, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm not sure that come forward as we close in prayer. And as we have an invitation, he's spoken to you. Let's pray together. Father, once again, I Jesus' name. I want to thank you, Lord God, for Memorial Day. Thank you, Father God, for this evening. I thank you, Lord God, for your word. As you take charge, even now, if there's anyone that needs to come to know you as personal Lord Savior, Anyone who needs to get their heart right with you, if you'd like to tonight, you can do that tonight. So thank you for the same thing. Amen. 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 Amen